Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. And if you have your Bible, I'm going to go ahead and get you turning there. Um, You can turn to Matthew chapter 6. And um, as you're turning there, um, things have been a little strange lately because we didn't have refuel. um, Last week we had the Passion Week service. Um, So we're jumping back into our Greatest Sermon Ever series. Tonight we're talking about hypocrisy. Does anybody know a hypocrite? Has anybody ever been a hypocrite in your life? I'll put both hands up, right? Um, so just to give you a head, kind of give you a notice on where things are going, uh, where we're going to be, where we're going to be going. Next week, we're going to be d- talking about, because it's in, it's in this passage, we're going to be talking about anxiety. Anyone know anyone that has anxiety? Anybody, the person that, that experienced that? So here's what I want you to do before we get into the lesson tonight. Um, if you know somebody who's, who's like just stressed out beyond all belief, I want you to text them right now and say, come with me to Refill next week. We're going to be talking about anxiety. Because um, Jesus, maybe it would surprise you, has a lot to say about anxiety. Um, week after that, you know we can't go into prom season without talking about dating. So we're going to be taking a one week off of our, our Sermon on the Mount series, and we're going to be talking about dating. We kind of have this perennial thing we do every year. We talk about, are you going to dump them? Or are you going to date them? So if you know somebody that has a slug for a boyfriend, S-L-U-G, a slug for a boyfriend, you need to text them right now and say, you need to come to Refuel in two weeks, right? Uh, you, you know there's somebody that needs to break up with their boyfriend, and maybe you're the person, or maybe a girlfriend, maybe you're the person. I don't know. So, um, so that's kind of where we're headed. Um, but tonight we're talking about hypocrisy. Um, I know in your, um, in your tags, uh, you were asked to talk about, you know, do you know anyone who's a hypocrite? You know, questions about social media. Um, but tonight I thought I'd start out with a story. Um, sometimes I just kind of like to share my own experiences with things. And um, I went to a Christian school. Uh, a lot of you know that by now. And um, I was not what you would call a model student. Um, I spent time in the principal's office sometimes, um, and I can still remember all of the different things, the knickknacks he had on his desk and stuff. He had these pictures of his creepy kids, and they were like staring at me, you know, like he had this little Andy Griffith mug that sat on his desk. Um, I just remember all the, yeah, all the details. The one time I got called to the office, and I hadn't done anything wrong. Like, you know, some... I'm not going to ask how many of y'all have been called to the office, how many of y'all got in trouble. But you know like when somebody tells you, I need, like, in a, like your parent or teachers, you know, I need to talk to you. Automatically in your mind, you're thinking of all the things that you've done. What could they be upset about? Like, what could they have busted me on? You know what I mean? Well, so I, all those things were thinking, and I was, I was thinking, I actually have been good this week. Like, I've done nothing wrong. Like, he must have pulled something out of like, like last year or something. Well, he brings me down and he says, Matt, I just want you to know, I've talked to some of your friends too. Our accrediting agency is going to be coming in next week. They're the people, I guess, who let schools stay open or whatever. And he said, we really need to present a good impression. And these were his words. Matt, we know you're not mature, but we'd like for you to pretend to be mature for a week. Do you think you can do that for us? And I can't even remember what I said. I think I said, yeah, but I doubt I did that. Um, But have you ever maybe been told something to that effect or you know somebody that is doing something to that effect like like they're acting in a way that they're not? Tonight's Sermon on the Mount uh, section, Jesus talks about hypocrisy. He talks about, I don't even have my iPad with me. Is my iPad back there? Maybe somebody could bring it to me. Um, Jesus is talking about hypocrisy. 
And he's talking about specifically um, about people who do things. Thank you, Jordan. Jordan is, is, Jordan is Johnny on the spot there. Um, so we're talking about, yeah. Um, so that's what we've been talking about. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And the question you know, it's easy for us to pretend we're spiritual. I don't know if you've ever grown up. Yeah, if you're familiar with church, you've been around church for a long period of time. Like, I've been here ever since I was a kid. Like, you kind of know how to pretend to be spiritual. You kind of know how to pretend to be religious. But the question tonight that I want to ask you is, why are you doing what you're doing? Sounds like something like a New Yorker would say. Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, but like, why are you doing what you're doing? And I'm, I'm talking specifically about the way that you practice religion, the way that you practice spirituality. So in Matthew chapter six, we finally made it out of Matthew chapter five. It took us five weeks, but we made it out of Matthew chapter five and we're moving in to Matthew chapter six. And what we're gonna do is we are going to read this section together. It's verses one through 21. Um, I've got it up here and we're gonna kind of read it together. If you don't have your Bible, the words will be on the screen. Always encourage you to bring your Bible. Be taking notes if you can. So Matthew chapter six, verse one, Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So before we move any further, this little section here, verse 1, this is the key. I don't know if I can draw a good key or not. That's the key. I don't know if that looks like a key or not. It almost looks like a little amoeba or something. This verse is the key to the rest of the passage. Jesus, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen by them. Because if you do that, you'll have no reward in heaven. So now he gives some examples. He says, thus, if you, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your right hand or left hand know what your right hand is doing. Some of you that are uncoordinated like me, you have no problem with that. Like my right hand never knows what my left hand's doing. My right foot never knows what my left foot's doing. So that in your giving, it may be in secret for your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners so they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you go pray, go into your room. God just told you to go to your room. Like, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard by their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. A lot of you have probably heard this prayer before. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't give forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Sounds like what your mom told you when you were a kid. Wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who's in secret. And then your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Remember how in verse one, this was the key? There's a key at the end too. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's a lot of verses, but they all have the same message. And they have to do with, as Christians, as people who believe in Jesus, we have to be asking ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. At Refuel, you have the opportunity to, to do a lot of things for God. You have the opportunity, some of you jumped on the opportunity, to go on a mission trip and serve God either overseas or across the country. You have the opportunity to work in VBS and in backpack VBS downtown and love on those kids. We have the opportunity to pray together like all the time here at Refuel. We have the opportunity to serve in so many ways, but the question that Jesus is asking here and that we're asking tonight is, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're, what you're doing for God? And as we look through it, we kind of see three, or excuse me, four different like sides of this, uh, of this square of, uh, of what Jesus is saying. And the first thing that we see as we go through this is that we're responsible for living out what we know is right. There's a big shift here. In verse 6, it says, beware of practicing your righteousness. If you've been tracking with us for this whole series here, you know that in the, in the first chapter, chapter five, Jesus said, told us all these things that are right and wrong. Remember? Remember we, the awkward one when we talked about lust and Jesus told us what's right and what's wrong. It's not just wrong to commit adultery, but it's also wrong to, to look on someone lustfully. Remember when Jesus told us about right and wrong when it came to anger? He said it's wrong to murder, but it's also wrong to hate someone in your heart. It's essentially like committing murder. Remember when Jesus said, it's not only the right thing to do to love those who love you, but you all, it's also the right thing to do to love those who hate you. Jesus is telling us what's right and what's wrong. And one part of gathering together, is, you know, we talk about all the time at churches, is how to know the difference between right and wrong. And we give people a lot of books, like five ways to know whether Jesus predestined you to heaven or you chose him. Like, yeah, like, and we get into all these theological debates and we love talking about what's right and what's wrong and what God says. But here's the problem with most Christians, the rubber never meets the road. We learn what's right, but we never practice what's right. What would happen, well, I, I'm kind of case, case positive right here. What would happen if you just continually, continually, continually went to the gym, but then you ate like 6,000 calories a day? You're eating more than you're working off, right? Same happens with Christians. Sometimes we take in way more knowledge than we actually live out. And what Jesus is saying here is that we should be living what we know is right. And he gives us examples. He almost, not, I don't want to say takes it for granted, but he, he, he gives examples of how we should live this out. First, he says, when you give to the needy. See, he's assuming you're going to do this. That we should be giving people, we should give to people who need help. Um, then he also says, when you pray, it's a good thing to pray. And then as you go, he says, when, we don't do this one as often, when you fast. How many of y'all were here a couple years ago when we did the fasting thing? And we had all the different... This is before COVID, so this is a long time ago. Most of you weren't here. And we, we had all the different meals that you could eat. Some people had to eat out of the dumpster because they represented places that didn't have clean food. Some people had to eat rice because they represented places in the world. 
Were any of you here? Some of you were here for that. A few of you were, Christian was here for that. Christian remembers, yeah. So it was like literally the last, one, the last thing we did before COVID. We ate together. Um, and um, so, so we, we talk about fasting as something we're supposed to do. But here's, here's the point. Jesus tells us that our faith is supposed to be an act of faith. We're supposed to live out. That's why I got this picture of these people like, like hitting it at the gym. Like how, how, yeah, how would it work if like, who, who's doing track? We got some track people here, right? You got some runners, got some track stars. Okay, um, so, so how would it work if every track practice you just sat down and you read track theory? I mean, that's kind of appealing, right? You don't have to run. But how, how would you fare? Like how would you do? You, 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 I mean, you, you'd be like gasping for breath, right? You would be a terrible track runner, performer, if all you did was read about track and you never worked it out. And what Jesus is saying here is, if you don't want to be a hypocrite, you have to, you have to do more than just know what's right. You have to actually live what's right. And how many of us have met Christians, people who say they follow Jesus, who know all these things that they're supposed to do, but then we see where they go on Friday night. We see what they do on Friday night, right? Like, we're responsible not just to know what's right, but to live it out. And Jesus reminds us of that. But the second thing we learn is that it's also easy to do the right thing wrongly. I looked it up. I think this is still okay English. Like, I think we're okay with this. Like, I looked it up and I have the little Grammarly thing and it didn't give me a red line. To do the right thing wrongly. I put this little, have you ever seen these memes about like the, you know, what, what my mom thinks I do, what my parents think I do, what my friends think I do. It's like a mission trip one. It's kind of funny. Um, but you know, it's easy to do good things the wrong way with the wrong attitude. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus is kind of putting people on blast without mentioning their names. If you look at this list here, what you realize is you can go over a few chapters, Matthew chapter 23, and he names these guys that he's talking about. It's the group called the Pharisees. And he, like, I mean, and it's, he, he turns up the heat, in, like, he turns it up to 11 in chapter 23. You should read it if you just want to, like, see somebody just get absolutely, like, beat up by Jesus. Um, because he's like, woe to you, Pharisees, hypocrites, teacher of the law. He says it, like, like seven different times. But here, Jesus is talking about some people who act in a certain way, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it to be seen by others. Look at some of the examples that Jesus gives. It's almost too ridiculous to believe. First, Jesus says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. So what, was, what would happen in the Jewish culture is people would line up in front of the, either the synagogue or the temple. People who were poor and people who didn't have um, the means to take care of themselves. A lot of times they had physical problems that didn't allow them to work or they were, they were widows who didn't have a, a way to earn money and they would sit there and they would do what's called begging for alms. They would either have their hand out or they'd have a cup out and it was, it was like socially kind of required for, the, for, for, for people who were passing by to give something. But what these Pharisees were doing, see he calls them hypocrites, is that they waited until the busiest time of day to do their giving. And when they did it, they, some people, some, there are some records of them actually having people following them around with trumpets. Like literally, like almost like play, like how many, Anybody here willing to admit that you like watching professional wrestling? You know, they got entrance music. You know, the wrestlers have the entrance. Yeah, they have the entrance music. It's, it's almost like they had entrance music as they came in to give, like, money to beggars. And they're, like, coming in, like, 
And they're just like, you know, and, and they're making a big show of it. Why are they doing it? That they may be praised by others. Look at the next example. He says, when you pray, don't be like who? The hypocrites. We know later he's talking about the Pharisees. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners. These are public places and they're standing instead of kneeling. Why would they do that? Because they want people to hear their flipping awesome prayers. They're they want everybody to notice them. They didn't have social media back then, so they had to stand in prominent places and talk loudly. And that was what they did, so they were hoping people would ooh and awe. Have you ever heard some... We try not to be judgmental and judge people's motives. Have you ever heard somebody pray and you're like, does this person really mean what they're saying? They're just trying to find like the longest words in the dictionary and use them. Like, have you ever heard somebody pray, we beseech thee, thou great and mighty Father, on this day of thine resurrection, and we thank thee for thy, you know, and they just go into all these long theological terms, and they use that like, you know, TV evangelist voice, and like, like they, it's, it's just so ridiculous. That's what they were doing here. Why did they do it? That they may be seen by others. Then look at the next example um, that he gives. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others. Why? He says, when you fast, don't look gloomy, like, there they are again, like the hypocrites. What do they do? They disfigure their faces that you may be seen by others. What, what, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that they harm themselves. But what they would do is when they were fasting, they were foregoing food for spiritual reasons, they would take dirt and they would put it on their face. So their face looked dirty. And they would walk around with like this terrible look of suffering on their face. You're probably, I shouldn't recommend, I'm not recommending, and I shouldn't even talk about comedians because like pretty much all comedians are dirty and bad and you know, like it's just usually not good. But there's a guy named Jeff Dunham and he's got a character, the old man. You know who I'm talking about? He's got the old man who has the face like, it looks like the end of a hot dog, you know, like. They were walking around, these Pharisees, when they were fasting, they were walking around with dirt on their face going, like, like they were being dramatic about it because here's what they wanted. And maybe you know somebody that does like this. Like they're so dramatic because they want somebody to go up and ask them, man, what's wrong with you? Man, why you look so bad? You okay, bro? Oh, well, I'm fasting and I'm suffering for God. Yeah, that was what they were doing. Because they, why? They wanted to be seen by others. They were doing, go back to these other slides here. They were doing the right thing it's good to give money to people who need money. Good to help people who are in need. It's good to pray. Are we all in agreement there? Like, it's good to pray. I've done it a few times in my life. It's good to fast. But they were doing the right thing wrongly. They were doing it for the applause to steal from an old Lady Gaga song. The next thing we learn, though, it's going to get positive now, is that Jesus leads the way. 
Jesus gives us not only the negative example, but he gives us a positive example. He says, don't be like the hypocrites, but do this. And what you'll see is that Jesus modeled each of these three things for us. So let's look back at the scriptures here. I'm going to change my color up. We're going to do green for Jesus. We go with him, right? So at the beginning, he says, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet. You know, don't, don't do your WWE entrance music when you come in. He says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Back then, we talked about it a little bit last week, nobody was allowed to be left-handed. Where are my lefties at? Put your left hand in the air. Like, like you, you can be proud now, but in the first century, like, they would not have been happy. Like, if you extended your left hand to somebody, it would have been an insult. If you were to give money to somebody who was begging with your left hand, that would have been considered insulting to them. So they would be giving with their right hand. So do you see the picture here? Jesus is saying, when you're giving money for your right, with your right hand, your left hand shouldn't know what your right hand is doing. What he's saying is, you shouldn't be doing it so that people understand what's going on. Yeah, a lot of people love to hate on our church because comparatively speaking, maybe we may have kind of, we, we have a, a, a large attendance sometimes. And people are always like, oh, what's your big old church doing to help people in need? I never see anything about y'all helping people in need. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because we don't want to be going blasting on social media what we're doing to help others. Some of you have been around long enough, you know what we're doing with the backpack ministry and with the life bridge and all the things that we do. And sometimes we talk about it as a church, as a church family, but we're not putting it all over the socials. Why wouldn't we do that? Look, if you're, what you're doing is in secret, your father who, what, sees in secret will reward you. Our reward is not that people see it and be like, oh man, that's so great. With it. Our reward is that God sees it and he's pleased. So that's the first example. The next example, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. You stand and pray in the synagogues. You know, you do the televangelist, King James Version, you know, prayers that you do. He says, when you pray, God told you to go to your room. Go to your room. Shut the door and pray to your father who is where? In secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Is Jesus saying we should never pray in public? That's not what he's saying. Is Jesus saying we should never pray together? That's not what he's saying. But what Jesus is saying is we shouldn't pray just to be noticed by people. The final example. When you fast, anoint your head. Some versions it says oil your head. <laughs> yeah, you're teenagers. You're trying to get the oil off your head, right? So you don't get acne, right? But he says, he says oil your head. What they, in, the, in the dry Middle Eastern climate, what they, their, their faces would get dry and they would age more quickly. So what they did was they would rub oil on their face to keep the moisture in their... How many of y'all hate the word moist? I'm going to say it five times. Moist, 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 moist. Sorry. April doesn't like it either. Um, <laughs> Um, they, they would put the oil on their face to keep the moisture in their face to keep their face looking good. Like, and they would also, he says, anoint your head, head and wash your face. What he's saying is don't walk around with a dirty face going, so people ask you, you okay, bro? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on a fast. Yeah, I'm, sir, I'm suffering for Jesus. What he says is don't let anybody know that you're fasting. Don't let anybody know what you're giving up for me. Why? that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And don't you know, Jesus led the way in each of these areas. You know when Jesus took care of people and helped people who were in need? When he healed a man who was paralyzed, you know what Jesus said? He said, go show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anybody what I just did. 
because Jesus didn't want the praise of others at that time. You know, when Jesus would pray, we learned in Mark chapter one, Jesus would often go like, there would be crowds trying to follow him. And you know, some of you, like if you had crowds following you, you'd be like, oh man, like I've got all these people, like I've got all these followers, like this is great. I need to spend as much time with them as I can. Jesus was running away from the crowd so he could get alone with God. You see how Jesus led the way here and continues to lead the way. We can look at Jesus we can look at Jesus and see the example. So Jesus leads the way, and the final thing is, it's worth it. I've got a picture here of, of a discovery that was recently made only a year ago. And it's kind of funny because, you know, Adam and Tag was talking about he got to, like, touch Egyptian, old Egyptian stuff in Columbus, of all places. Um, but they found what they believe to be, what they believe to be, a, a, a secret tunnel that has been uncovered for the first time that they think is going to lead to Cleopatra's tomb. They've been looking for it for like 3,000 years. And they found this, and this tunnel that is, get this, 4,000 feet long, almost a mile long this tunnel. But it goes underneath the Mediterranean Sea and it's flooded in so they're trying to get, figure out a way to get through it. But they found this secret place that nobody else could find, and they believed that Cleopatra wanted to keep her burial place a secret. You know that there's a, a secret place that you can spend time with God in, and we see that here? I want to change my color one more time, and I want to show you, watch how this word just keeps repeating and keep repeating. When you give to people, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who what? Sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, but go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is where? In secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. You go back to, to, to fasting, it's the same thing. Your father who is in secret, and he sees in secret, he will reward you. You know, what I've realized when we talk about rewards, society rarely rewards teens for being normal. Have you noticed that? The only times teens make, a, make the news is when they do something really stupid or when they do something just incredible. Have you noticed that? There's never been a, new, a, a headline that says, normal teenager goes to school without incident. There's never been a headline like that. The only way to get recognition, it seems like, in, in our society is to either do something really bad or to do something so spectacular that nobody else can do. But here's what's so great for normal people like me and probably most of you are normal people too. I wrote this down because I didn't want yeah, I, I to get it wrong. Here's the great thing. What God rewards what's done in secret. So that's good news for those of us who aren't all that dynamic or flashy. You know the difference. You see the difference here. What does Jesus say about the people who are trying to do it all for show? He says they have received their reward. Do you know what your reward is when you do it for the applause of people? It's the applause of people. But the flip side of the applause of people is that you get exactly what you're angling for. You ever realize that? If you want people to celebrate you, you get exactly what you're angling for. And how long do people celebrate you when you do something great athletically or academically? Maybe a day. 
Probably 15 seconds or 15 minutes. And then if you want to get that applause back, you have to do something better than you did the last time. And you also have to continually do better than everybody else for people to notice you. If you're going for applause, you're always going to have to be outworking what you did before. And you're always going to have to be outworking others. But if you go to the secret place, if you do things for the applause of your heavenly father, it doesn't matter what others say. That means you can pray and it doesn't have to be televangelist King James. It can be you in your room pouring your heart out to God and God sees that. It means that you can be loving on somebody that nobody else is loving on and there's no cameras, there's no selfies, there's no social media and God sees it. It means you can be giving up your summer to serve God somewhere. Nobody else sees it. Nobody, Nobody gives applause, but God sees it. So it kind of comes back to the question, why are you doing what you're doing? A lot of you may be doing good things, but what's the reason behind it? You know what I love about this? And hey, we're going to finish on time. Some, I can't remember, somebody I talked to about, you know, are we going to finish on time tonight? We're going to finish on time tonight. And have, did you notice the, the, the section we skipped over that we didn't talk about? It's the Lord's Prayer. And you know where that stands in, the, in this big long sermon that goes from chapter 5 to chapter 7? The passage that we're in tonight is the center of the sermon. It cuts right to the heart. But this Lord's Prayer is at the center of the center of the sermon. Why is that? Because I believe Jesus keeps coming back to the secret place, the secret place, the secret place. Where do we find that secret place? Where do we find that time where it's just us and God? It's in the time that we spend with God in prayer. And these disciples who were close to Jesus and listening to Jesus, they watched him pray. They saw him do a lot of cool stuff. Like they saw him raise the dead. They saw him heal people with leprosy. They saw him make lame people walk. You know the only thing they ever asked Jesus to show them how to do is pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they saw something more incredible than the healing. They saw Jesus who had this incredible, personal, secret place relationship with his heavenly father and they wanted it. So Jesus teaches them how to pray. What does he say? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I usually have a bunch of F words, a bunch of different application points. Tonight, here's the application point. Pray. Spend time talking to God. I believe the reason most of us do it is because we think we can't do it. But Jesus gives us the outline here. And I kind of misled you because I do have some R words that have to do with how to pray. So what I'm, going to, what I'm going to challenge you to do is to write these R words down, put them in your phone, remember that they tie right back in here to Matthew, and I want to challenge you over the next seven days to spend time in that secret place with God. Where is the place that you go to spend time with God? For me, it's either the, uh, driving in my truck, I keep my eyes open, but driving in my truck, or I've got this, we've got this couch in our living room, and I've kind of worn like a a mat-shaped dent in the couch, April will tell you, um, because that's where I love to spend time with God. So how do you spend time with God? Six R's to pray like Jesus. First, we're just gonna have to bl- you know, blast through them. First, relate to God as your father. You know, some people don't have good dads. Uh, some people do have good dads. A good dad is someone who always wants to listen to you and always meets your needs and t- is willing to take care of your needs. And what, how, does this, how does this prayer start off? Our Father in heaven. 
Do you see like the two sides of that coin? The first is that God's in heaven. Like, oh, wow, like he's seated on the throne of heaven. Who could come up and talk to him? Like you usually can't even like get your, you, get your, you, get your, get your teacher to give you like help with maybe questions because they got all these people coming up asking questions about the math assignment. God's never turned anyone away. Why? Because he's not only on the throne in heaven, but he's your father. A good dad, when their kid comes up to him, leans forward at the edge of their seat so he can hear what they're asking him. And when you come to God in prayer, he, maybe literally, but at least spiritually, leans forward on the edge of the throne of heaven to listen to what ordinary little old you has to say to him. So if you want to pray like Jesus, first relate to God as your father. The next is recognize God for who he is. Yeah, he's your father, but he's also the great God of heaven. It says, our father who's in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Holy is your name. What I like to do is I like, and some of you that have done the prayer lab, I like to make just like on a piece of notebook paper, write A through Z. Just write A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, B, Q, R, S, T, U, V, T, L, B, X, Y, Z. And I will try to come up with an attribute of God that starts with letter A. An attribute of God that starts with letter B. Attribute of God that starts with letter C. Attribute of God that starts with letter D. And before you know it, you've put together this incredible list of reasons to praise God and worship God for who he is. So recognize God for who he is. The next, this is a big one, relinquish. Look at the person next to you and say relinquish. Relinquish. Work the shh. Relinquish your plans to God. A lot of people come to God with a list. It's okay to come with a list. But before you have that list, you've got to surrender your list to God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Are you willing to give everything to God? To come with your hand, maybe things in your hands, but your hands held open, holding on to nothing? Relinquish your plans to God. The fourth one, request. This is, what the, this, is the, this, is where the, this is where the magic happens. This is, this is it. Request things specifically and persistently. What's one area of your life tonight in which you desperately need God to work? Like when I asked that question, something came to your mind. What's one area of your life where you desperately need God to work? Give it to God. We're told that we have not because we ask not and there's this... <laughs> There's a lot of theology that I can't explain behind this. But here's what I've learned. The more I pray, the more God works. I can't explain it. But it's true and we see it in the Bible. Request things to God. Then reconcile. Is there something separating you and God? Is there unconfessed sin in your life that's making it to where... You, if, if you do something mean to your parents, does that make them stop being your parent? No, Right? But if you do something mean to your parents, does that maybe change the relationship at least temporarily until you make things right? <laughs> you better believe it, right? So, so there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation, but we can hurt our fellowship with God by sinning against him. What if you make it right with God and then make things right with others as you pray? And then the final one, I don't know if I'm, this is PC, if I'm allowed to say this in church, reload. Reload your spiritual warfare arsenal. The Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against people. Our spiritual enemies are not people, but it's against, it's, it's against spiritual enemies. Dark forces in high places. What I've learned about prayer is it pushes back the darkness. How can you as a teenager survive when it seems like the, everything around you is celebrating everything God is against? It's by going to God, spending time with him in prayer. And that's what Jesus did. So, I'll put these back up later, but we're going to end on the question, why are you doing what you're doing? 
and let's pray together tonight. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.